Two Geeks, Two Beers podcast. Nerdy obsessions, drunken ramblings with Morgan Jeffrey and Tom Eames. Capture, a trek back without any proper supplies or equipment, and nothing to tell. Well, when you put it that way, I guess we had a little luck. Cheers. Hello, and welcome to Two Geeks, Two Beers. It's new, it's intriguing. Be sure to listen, you'll find it exciting. That'll make more sense as we go along. Um, I'm Morgan, with me of course is Tom. Hello. (laughs) And if this is your first time with us, you might think, a podcast where two nerds talk cult TV, films and video games, they're a dime a dozen, but rest assured, we're different, we're very different. Join us now for a groovy jaunt back to the 1960s, where I'll be fondly recalling, and Tom will be learning all about the cult TV classic that is The Champions. And I've just started assuming now, Tom, that you won't have a clue what I'm talking about, (laughs) just taking that as... No, I mean, I'll be honest, um, for the last couple of weeks that I knew this was the next one we were recording, I've been picturing The Professionals Mm. and thinking you were doing The Professionals. Um, I also don't really know much about The Professionals. So um, this will be <laughs> either, either way would have been fine. Yeah, yeah. this is uh, completely um, a new school lesson for me, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, coming up, the surprising link between the agents of Nemesis and the residents of Ramsey Street, uh, tales from Warren Beatty's Little Black Book, and the worst trailer you've ever seen, or indeed, in your case, listeners, heard. So, uh, the champions, Tom. It combined two of my childhood obsessions: spies and superheroes into one slick 1960s package. Uh, It ran for just one series of 30 episodes on ITV between the 25th of September 1968 and the 30th of April 1969. Uh, The series was also broadcast in the US on NBC starting in summer 1968. Uh, Although short-lived, it has been repeated fairly frequently on ITV and on the BBC, uh, and it was broadcast on BBC Two in 1995. So I was about nine at the time. And I'm fairly certain that my uh, my dad put me onto the champions, having been just a little bit younger himself uh, when the series was first broadcast. Uh, so it was produced by Lou Grade's ITC Entertainment. Uh, Lou Grade is a figure who I would say any aficionado of cult TV from the 1960s will be familiar with, yeah. or, or at least should be. I remember him being brought up when we spoke to Jamie Anderson. I'm sure. I'm sure he came up there. Correct. It does have a Jerry Anderson connection, which we will get onto. So, <laughs> I I had heard of Lou Grade as this kind of maestro of cult TV, but uh, what an interesting man. Uh, previously a professional dancer, uh, so in 1926 he was declared Charleston Champion of the World, not easy to say after a few beers, uh, at a dancing competition at the Royal Albert Hall with Fred Astaire as one of the judges. Uh, he later became a TV producer, that old uh, career route, uh, and, uh, and worked in the US. Uh, In 1954, he co-founded the Incorporated Television Company, or ITC, with the idea of producing slick, high-budget series designed for sale to US networks. Uh, And these shows were were great, these ITC shows, because they had, for the time, uh, big budgets, top-notch production values, the kind you might expect from American series. So The Champions, for example, was shot in colour on uh, on 35mm film, so it had that gloss. But... ITC shows also had the style and the cool and the swagger of 1960s mm. Britain. So it had a little bit of both. Now, thanks to ITC Home Video, your TV heaven need only be a video away. With an incredible selection of titles, ranging from comedy, fantasy, and adventure. You'll want to collect and enjoy these tapes over and over again. Available now from all good retail stores, you can choose from the following. The name is Templar, Simon Templar. Otherwise known as The Saint. He is a man with impeccable manners. I'm glad you appreciate me. Patrick McGowan is Danger Man. Without him, the whole place would blow up. Special Agent John Drake on the trail of international criminals around the world. Well, that explains a lot of things. The Baron is armed with a smooth style. I can't explain it. And good looks. Don't I know it? In his quest for adventure, here are a pair of private eyes with a difference. Randall and Hopkirk, deceased. Why don't you stay dead like anyone else? We're different, we're very different. Three people with superhuman powers. Together, they are the champions. 
When a case can't be solved by Interpol, they turn to Department S. Oh, very kind of you. A team of unlikely agents. Where did you say it was? Department S. It's Les McGill with a big M and a big G. Richard Bradford stars as Man in a Suitcase. You've got to come quickly! Risking his life is all in a day's work. I'm going to shoot you, McGill. Joanna Lumley and David McCallum are time travelers back from the future. Well, somebody has to. In Sapphire and Steel. He's a self-made millionaire. Oh, don't give me that poor little rich boy stuff. While he is a charming aristocrat. Oh, absolutely riveting. Together, they are the Persuaders. Classic TV from ITC Home Video. So as you can see there, quite the lineup. Mm. Uh, no, one, no one has ever described me as being armed with a smooth style and good looks. Um, <laughs> as they did the that Baron there. That you know <laughs> True. Um... So as you can see uh, from that brief overview, ITC specialised in escapist thrillers in the spy-fi genre, a subgenre of spy fiction that includes elements of science fiction, uh, producing series like The Saint, Danger Man and The Prisoner, uh, as well as the Jerry Anderson series, uh, as you touched on. So uh, Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, UFO and Space 1999 were all produced by ITC, as was... The Muppet Show with Jim Henson. <laughs> um, sl- slight departure there. Um, so Lou Grade, after uh, producing all these amazing iconic shows, he later moved into the film industry, uh, producing via ITC the likes of The Muppet Movie in 1979, Sophie's Choice in 1982, and your favourite Tom, The Dark Crystal, uh, also in 1982. All three um, very, very good films, but very, very different. <laughs> very Well, there's sort of a through line from The Muppet Movie to The yeah. Dark Crystal. Sophie's Choice there is the is the... I mean... I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine Jim Henson's Sophie's Choice, where she's got to choose between two Muppet babies. Uh, uh, pick me, oh, pick yeah. me. Um, oh, but uh, several expensive box office failures, most notably uh, the flop of the expensive 1980 film Raise the Titanic, caused Lou Grade to lose control of ITC. Uh, though he later returned to the company in the mid-90s and headed it again until his death in 1998. Uh, But in its heyday, ITC produced some of the most iconic uh, shows of the 1960s uh, and beyond, including The Champions, uh, which was created by writer Dennis Spooner and the producer Monty Berman. Uh, So Dennis Spooner, he was formerly the script editor on Doctor Who, Uh, He was known for introducing more humour into the series in the mid-1960s and wrote the show's first pseudo-historical story, which is uh, Doctor Who Who had previous... Sorry, I don't get to talk about Doctor Who a lot on this podcast. (laughs) I'm going to enjoy myself when I do. So a a pseudo-historical story, Tom. Doctor Who had had either done pure sci-fi or a pure historical. So a a historical story back in time with no sci-fi elements. Spooner was the first one to go... Let's take a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. Um, and <laughs> so he uh, he left Doctor Who um, to work with uh, Terry Nation, who was, of course, uh, the creator of the Daleks, um, on the ITC series The Baron uh, in 1966. Uh, and Spooner went on to become one of the most prolific writers of televised output from ITC, uh, writing episodes for series including uh, Stingray and Thunderbirds, The Avengers, The Professionals, not, not the champions, the professionals. Um, <laughs> there is a difference. And uh, Randall and Hopkirk deceased. Um, and then the show was cre- co-created by Monty Berman, who was a B-movie producer throughout the 1950s, uh, but got his big TV break in 1962 as producer on The Saint. Uh, Berman was involved in adapting The Baron, again for television, from John Creasy's book series. And it was here that he first formed a partnership with Spooner, uh, and they would go on to work together on some of the shows I've just mentioned, like Randall and Hopkirk, and another spy-fi series, Department S, and its spin-off, Jason King. There's a lot of good shows back then, weren't there? A lot of good ITC was just incredible. Just this one company. You think yeah. you think of a lot of these like iconic 60s shows, everything from Thunderbirds to The Prisoner to, to The Champions, to yeah, all from this one company. There's nothing quite... Nothing quite when, like it now. When you were saying about Doctor Who doing historical stuff, so how does that work? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, like, is, uh, you, you, well, surely it's all pseudo-historical if you're chucking a TARDIS and the aliens in it. Yeah, you know, it's a fa- it's a fair point. No, so uh, 
the, the rule, the, the rule, because there are rules to being a Doctor Who fan, very strict, stringent rules, is that a, a pure historical story um, okay. is is has no sci-fi elements other than the right. Doctor and the TARDIS and his companions, who are, of course, aliens <laughs> displaced in time. So when they've gone back to the medieval times, but once they're there, they've lost all their equipment and they're just sort of <laughs> wandering Mostly, around like it was a mo- historical yeah. Drama. Mostly, mostly these stories uh, take, uh, yeah, were aired in the nineteen sixties, and they get like they get locked out of the TARDIS. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of like, someone will they'll they'll leave the TARDIS for a bit, and then they'll come back. And it's like, oh, someone's stolen it, or like some, or sometimes just like a bit of wood will like fall down in front of the TARDIS doors. They'll be like, well, we can't get in. Guess we've got to go on like a an epic got trek. Some japes for the next hour. Got to so, uh... yeah, got to got to go on an epic trek with Marco Polo to see Kublai Khan because there's some wood in front of the TARDIS. Um, yeah, but then the other got... ones. So the pseudo one is when they go back in time. Yeah, they've they've got with the aliens follow them and then the aliens do shit while they're there or something like that. In so many words, yeah. So the first pseudo historical story was the Time Meddler. I don't know why you're encouraging me. Um, which was the Time Meddler in 1965, which was written uh, by Dennis Spooner, and in that. That uh, the Doctor and his companions go back to sort of Viking times, but there's also oh. another Time Lord there, uh, the meddling monk played by Peter Butterworth from the Carry On movies, <laughs> and he's causing all, all sorts of like time travel hijinks, and so that's a so, uh, yeah. Um, if this we're going off right off tangent here, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So when when they go back in time in Doctor I, Who. I, I, I didn't know that you could go off tangent, but yeah, uh, we're, we're, we've gone so far off topic that we're not going on a tangent. We're going off tangent. Off tangent. <laughs> when they go back in time, yeah. are they are they changing history each time? Uh, this is or a whole they... other. This is a whole. This is a whole other podcast. Um, so, so, so there's there's. Um, Bear with us, people. We'll be back to the champion in a second. I just want to. Yeah. There, there are. Um, I think like time, time is flexible in Doctor Who, um, except if it's a fixed point in time, which is a which is a thing thing they just invented. Whatever that means. Yeah, it was a phrase they invented just to explain away the fact that certain things could be changed and certain things can't. So like when when the Doctor goes back in time, he can't like kill a major historical figure, um, not just because it would be wrong, um, but, but because it would change change the course of history. You can't. Yeah, you know, Churchill mustn't be exterminated by the Daleks because that would change history. But yeah. the Doctor can overthrow a dictatorship in the year thirty-one fifty. That's fine. No, but surely, no is but is but, but but isn't that established history from oh, a yeah. certain po- from a certain point of view? Of course it is. Um, no, but it's it's not because it's not a fixed point. It's not a fixed point in time. So you can right. you can me- you can meddle much like the time meddler did, bringing it back to Dennis Spooner. Um, in certain periods of history, they're they're a bit more rubbery. Um, but but certain fixed points in time you cannot interfere with. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Okay, well, that, I've got to say, that's Doctor Who, considering it's all about time travel, that's one of the worst time travel rules <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. When it comes to time travel rules, that's, that's awful. That's worse than the lake house. That doesn't make any sense. But, um... Uh, I'm, I've, I've nearly finished the first episode of Loki as we record this, mm. so I'm in a time travel mood at the moment. Anyway, well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe we'll do more Doctor Who <laughs> minisodes of uh, time travel rules because I'm interested now. But anyway, back to the champions. Uh, well, yeah. Do you want to watch the title sequence to the champions? Mm. Let's do that. Yeah. say Stuart Damon there what a dish I I literally have written down here Stuart Damon what an attractive man <laughs> very attractive man <laughs> and I, I also I've seen photos of William Gaunt um, in, in the past and I've always wondered why does he always seem so like annoyed and pissed off 
because because Stuart Damon is so attractive, so damned attractive. <laughs> he's always stood ne- he's always stood yeah. next to Stuart Damon. That's why. <laughs> um, who wouldn't look annoyed? Um, so the the theme music that you heard there was uh, composed by Tony Hatch, uh, uh, yeah. a, a veteran music producer and composer who wrote and composed Petula Clark's Downtown. I found Brilliant. out. Yeah. Um, also wrote three iconic soap themes. Uh, so he wrote the original theme tunes for Crossroads and Emmerdale, nice. and with his then wife Jackie Trent, co-wrote the theme song to Neighbours. Incredible! Wow, how cool is that? Neighbours, everybody needs good neighbours with a little understanding. The show's incidental music was written by Edwin Astley. No relation to Rick. I did look it up, um, <laughs> but he was best known for writing the theme tune to The Saint. Um, and uh, Albert Elms, um, who also worked on The Prisoner and ITC's Man in a Suitcase, the theme tune to which was later the theme tune to uh, TFI Friday with Chris Evans. So, The Champions follows three special agents, Craig Sterling, Sharon McCready and Richard Barrett, who work for a United Nations law enforcement organisation called Nemesis. Of course it is. Um, based in Geneva. Each one has a different skill set. So Barrett is a codebreaker, Sterling is a pilot, and McCready is a uh, scientist and doctor. Uh, this from IMDb. Despite the frequently mentioned fact that Sharon McCready is a medical doctor, she is always addressed as Miss McCready. No explanation is ever given. I'll give you an explanation. Sexism. 19- <laughs> the, the 60s. <laughs> the 60s. That's your explanation. That's all you need. Um... Dr. McCready, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so, whereas ITC's earlier shows, like The Saint, Danger Man, and Man in a Suitcase, focused on one lead male hero, the champions established a new dynamic of a trio. Uh, two men, one British, one American, and one woman, which would later be repeated in the ITC series Strange Report from 1968, Department S, which we talked about from uh, 1969 to 1970, and The Protectors, another Jerry Anderson series, uh, which aired from 1972 to 1974. Uh, now, <laughs> towards the end of 1967, ITC filmed four short promotional spots, uh, including this one, uh, introducing the three main characters of the champions. Now, you don't know a lot about the show at this point, Tom. Only mm. what I've told you in the okay. sort of brief clip, brief glimpses you've had of the tart sequence and so on. What I will say is, <laughs> don't judge the show on this, <laughs> which is one of the strangest and most underwhelming trailers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, just, just take a look and, uh, and and make your own judgments, I guess. It can't be worse than that that Airbud trailer where he just stops no. talking. <laughs> oh yeah, it's bad. We'd like you to watch our program each week on this station. It's called The Champions. By the way, my name is Stuart Damon. Stuart plays Craig Sterling, one of the champions. I'm Alexandra Bastido and I play Sharon McCready. William Gaunt, I play Richard Barrett. Well, we're the champions. It's new, it's intriguing. Be sure to watch, you'll find it exciting. <laughs> More exciting than that trailer, I'm sure. Bloody hell. <laughs> I feel like I've been told off. <laughs> Just so so odd and so, so stanky. Why are they so stanky? You should see that. We should put a still of just the last bit where they're all looking at the camera as they're just looking at you, going, "Who the fuck do you think you are? You think you're good enough to watch this program? How dare you?" How they dare said they want. They said they wanted us to watch their program. I know, on this but station. you look at their faces and they're like, oh, "I mean, you should watch it, but I don't think you'd understand it, mate." That's what they look like. They're saying. Very odd, very oh, yeah. stilted. I don't know what the, what they were thinking. They're like, how do we promote this action thriller series with a sci-fi element? That was the best idea. Just them sort of walking around, sat sat in an office. Because, again, does not translate to audio. Translate. No, but essentially the trailer there, Stuart Damon sort of walks in, says, watch watch our show on this station. He then sits down next to Alexandra uh, Bastardo, uh, and then it pans out, and William Gaunt is sort of sat there all, all loosh with his, with his feet up, like yeah. flicking through a folder, which clearly has nothing but blank pages in it, if you go back and watch. And he's just sort of like, well, we're the champions. I'm sorry, were you expecting... We expecting something more. This is the best we we've got with our budget. This is all we could afford for this. We blew the budget on the series. This trailer. It's just us in a 
It's an empty office block. Really strange. Because did they do... Well, oh, it's a silly question, but when did like trailers start? Like proper trailers as we know them today, in terms of like having clips from the show or the film? They had, like, when did that they had them They had them in the 60s. It's not yeah, like this was yeah. some like unknown <laughs> concept at this point. It's just a really bad trailer. Um, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so the Champions uh, was also the first ITC show to incorporate more far-fetched fantasy elements. Uh, so during their first mission as a team, uh, their plane crashes in the Himalayas. Badly injured, all three are saved by an advanced civilization living in the mountains, led by an enigmatic old hermit. Uh, through some kind of magic, don't worry about it. Uh, our three heroes are transformed into the peak of physical perfection. Think oh. Captain America without the stars and stripes. Uh, what's more, each is now imbued with an advanced healing factor, a form of precognition. Is that how you say that word? Precognition? Pre- precognition? Um <laughs> That warns them of future danger, uh, sort of like a, a spidey sense. Uh, and like all three, report. yeah, and all three uh, now share a telepathic link. Uh, so they are superhuman, but they are not infallible and not immortal or indestructible. So, so does uh, that stay for the rest of the show? That's 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 the premise. That is the premise of the show. There's oh right, so the, I thought you meant that was just in one episode, and they that was just a. So they get that at the very beginning. How disappointing would that be if, like, in the pilot, in the pilot, they got superpowers, but then the rest of the series, no, just just regular spies. Um, I was, I feel like I was missold uh, from this pilot. Uh, so, so they are, uh, they have superpowers, but they're not, they're not uh, indestructible. Uh, the true extent of their new abilities was never fully explored, though they were certainly durable enough to survive being thrown out of a plane, uh, as happens to Craig in the third episode, Supply Box number 666. Uh, so it's a bit it's a bit like Fantastic Four in a weird way, isn't it? Um, like, they accidentally get powers, um, and then, I mean, obviously not as fantastical as the Fantastic Four, but, you know, that sort of thing. It's got, it's definitely got comic book vibes. Um, yeah. Which, which we'll get onto later. Um, so equipped with their new powers, uh, the, the, our central trio become champions of law and order and justice, hence the title. Um, uh-huh. And uh, they combat threats to international security, battling fascist regimes, including the Nazis, because they were still about in the 1960s, apparently. Um, and villains from, it says here, unspecified South American countries. Uh, because again... It was the 1960s, so you didn't really need to specify. They could just be from South America. (laughs) These are the champions. Operators of the International Agency of Nemesis. Sent behind the bamboo curtain to obtain deadly specimens for the fight against germ warfare. We're not going to make it. You accept that they have crashed. But not that they're dead. The beginning would have been the end for the champions, but for the strange healing powers of a lost civilization. Craig, whatever's happened here, more than our bodies are patched up, you know that. I know we haven't talked about it, but we all know something's happened. We're different. The champions find they have strange and superhuman powers as they risk their lives for law, order and justice in the beginning. The first thrilling episode of The Champion. Again, it was it was the 1960s. Although I think that trailer was produced much later. Behind the bamboo curtain. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say that, mate. Yeah. Um, so, like many similar shows at the time, uh, the champions told mostly episodic, self-contained stories with few, if any, running links between episodes. Uh, this was so that broadcasters could show episodes in any order they liked. Um, you, you'd think that at, ver- at the very least, they'd have to show the first episode, the beginning, <laughs> first... That, that would well, seem logical. Yeah. At least. But no, in fact, uh, two special bookend sequences were shot featuring William Gaunt as Richard Barrett, recalling the story onto a tape recorder in Tremaine's office, sort of being like, remember that time when we crashed the Himalayas and we all got superpowers? That was crazy. Um, this was done so that even the first episode could be shown out of order wow. uh, with those two bookends and framed as a sort of sort of flashback. Um so the show's simplicity, as, as you touched upon, Fantastic Four vibes, uh, gave it a comic book tongue-in-cheek feel, which I, I, I loved. Um, you know, I, I was a big fan of, at the time when I first saw this, of, of James Bond, still am, um, and, and comic books, still am. Haven't, haven't really grow, grown up or evolved as a person. I'm just having that realisation <laughs> now. 
so it was sort of Bond meets Marvel. So two of my great obsessions brought together. So I love the champions. Uh, it, yes, it had simple characterization, but it had bright colors, colorful villains, and organizations with deeply unlikely acronyms. What is not to enjoy there? Um, so each episode would begin with a close-up shot of a map showing the region in which the story is to take place, though more on that later, uh, followed by uh, an episodic teaser and then the title sequence. Every episode would then start in the same way, with a scene in which one or more of the champions uh, demonstrated their abilities, often astonishing or humiliating others. So this wouldn't be in a sort of you know spy mission scenario. This would just be in a kind of everyday scenario. So there'd just be bits where they're like... Um, uh, Craig and, uh, and and Richard would be like taking on a couple of guys at tennis and they'd just like use their superpowers to absolutely like, school them at tennis like dicks just, just kind of being just kind of being dicks yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it says here paradoxically the show narration heard during these often public demonstrations usually mentions the need for the champions to keep their powers a secret so <laughs> says the narration going the champions must keep their power a secret at all times or risk terrible danger and they're just there like yeah fuck you we're, gr- we're great at tennis you haven't got any Himalaya powers. Take that. Um, so the only other series regular is the champion's boss, Tremaine. Uh, so, again, Wikipedia says he does not know that his agents have special abilities, although he does ask innocent questions about just how on their missions they managed to carry out certain tasks about which their reports were vague. Uh, I would say he apparently does not know and asks seemingly innocent questions because I always got I always got the sense Tremaine had a little bit of a twinkle in his eye I always got the sense that he he knew something was up but he also knew well enough to keep his questions to himself it's like if you're getting the job done I don't know I don't know how you're doing it um, no I don't want to play tennis yeah now I don't want to play tennis with you just, just leave me alone um so the main cast of the champions, uh, we had uh, playing Craig Sterling. You had Stuart Damon, Dishy Stewart. Uh, he was an American actor. Uh, was so he related IT's... to Matt at all? I don't, again, I don't. We, we, <laughs> off uh, off mic, we we discovered that uh, Lou Grade was in fact uh, related to Michael Grade, who yeah. uh, Lou Grade, the bastion of cult TV, Michael Grade, who killed Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> not to bring it back to Doctor Who again. Um, I don't, I don't think believe. Steve, I don't. No, I don't think he's related. No. Disappointing. Um, I mean, both American. How can they not be related? Um, so Stuart Damon was American um, because ITC series, despite being British productions, would often hire an American lead. Uh, the idea being this would help to sell the shows in the US, make them feel mm. more more sort of US and international. Uh, so Stuart Damon is best known internationally for The Champions, though in the US he's arguably better known for his Emmy-winning role of Alan Quatermain on the soap General Hospital, which he played oh. over a period of 36 years, uh, oh. from 1977 to 2008, and then again in uh, 2012 to 2013. Uh, though the Alan character was killed off in 2007, Damon later reappeared as a ghost, uh, <laughs> haunting his sister like, Tracy about forging Alan's will. Like Pat Butcher when she came, came back as a ghost. Weirdly, uh, I talk about EastEnders quite a bit later. If you think that this is some kind of a joke, I will kill you myself. It was a lovely service, wasn't it? You could have shown a little bit more compassion for the rest of the family, but I must admit... I really appreciate the sincere grief that you showed for me, and I want you to know that I love you too, Tracy. How can you do this to us? You think I faked my death? You would do something like that. Yes, I pretended to be dead when Luke poisoned me. I'm going to have to think of a few tricks to convince you that this is real. Maybe I can drop a sheet over my head and go, woo, woo, woo. Oh, Alan, that's not funny. Tracy, Alan is dead, honey. American soaps are so good. I it's mean, a very, it's a very strange show, General Hospital. Um, I was just looking it up, and it's so so. He, that was like two thousand and seven, but he kept coming back up until twenty thirteen. So he kept returning as a ghost. Sometimes as a ghost, sometimes as a hallucination. Um, oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to come to keep coming back as a ghost would be stretching credibility. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he was a hallucination, a vision. Um, yeah, a bit balanced. Um, Stuart Damon also partnered with Roger Moore in an episode of The Saint in 1969, playing a Texas oil man who works with Moore's Simon Templer. This unlikely partnership inspired another ITC series, The Persuaders, which similarly saw Moore's suave Brit teamed with a diamond-in-the-rough American, now played by Tony Curtis. What a show that is. Just absolute, <laughs> just ultimate The Boys. 
Roger Moore, Tony Curtis, the boys getting up to Japes, having a great time. The Persuaders. So good, they had to put an exclamation mark at the end of the title. They could just call it The Persuaders. They were like, uh, The Persuaders, you better believe it. Exclamation mark at the end. Great show. Permanent um, eyebrow raise from both of them. So good. Uh, next up is Sharon McCready, Sharon with two R's, played by Alexandra Bastido, uh, a sex symbol, it says here, of the 1960s. Uh, she dated David Frost and Omar Sharif. Uh, apparently wow. ending the latter relationship because uh, Omar kept odd hours, was obsessed with playing bridge, and took telephone numbers from other women. Omar. Omar. Uh, she also uh, turned down the advances of Steve McQueen, who, she recalled, propositioned her with the line, my wife doesn't understand me. Um, <laughs> Bastido <laughs> also turned down Warren Beatty. This is a great story. Uh, she said... While I was making Casino Royale with my friend Nicole Shelby, Warren Beatty came on the set to meet the girls. That night, Nicole and I shared a bedroom. At midnight, the phone rang and a voice said, Hi, Alexandra, this is Warren. Would you like to come over for a drink? I said, No, thank you, Mr. Beatty. At 3am, the phone rang again and he said, Hi, Nicole, this is Warren. I'm all alone. Would you like to come over? He was working through his address book alphabetically. Just like wow. one after the other until he until he got lucky. Warren. Well, he did eventually. That's why Carly Simon wrote that song about him, isn't it? Yeah, but clearly it didn't work that night because like he'd gone past C, he'd gone from he'd gone back from A, Alexandra, all the way to N. Like he wasn't having a lot of luck that night. Warren had struck out that night. Like once you once you get past M, and you're like, I'm definitely halfway through the alphabet now. Let's face it. I mean, maybe maybe like Avon's up for it. Maybe 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 Zenya. Um, maybe Xena. Um, yeah, it might, uh, it's like the, um, the the movie star equivalent. Of, I used to um, DJ at uni. We'd, 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 when we did it, it was in the union where you could see the um, the viewpoint from from you know to the dance floor mm. in, and then like a booth up high. And you'd always see every week there's this one guy who every single week he you saw him go from from girl to girl to girl. And he'd, he'd get there eventually. He would always get there eventually. But, you know, I think he, he wore and beated his way through the club. <laughs> he beat his got, way. He got to half 11, midnight, and they were like, all right, fine, yeah, fine. He, yeah. he beat it about the bush, is what he did. Yeah. <laughs> so, <sighs> so, Alexandra Bastido... Um, was in a relationship with the uh, journalist Mike Tomkeys, who, I, I, like, this is like a little sidebar here, but I feel like it almost warrants further discussion, but no time right now. Um, Mike Tomkeys, he abandoned life of a celebrity reporter to live alone in the wilderness, earning him the moniker Wilderness Man. That's 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 like a whole you know, path that we don't have time to go down. Um, wow. But Bastido was prohibited from getting married, apparently, um, by a clause in her contract to the champions, uh, that was that's according to the Telegraph. So apparently there was a clause in her champions contract that said she couldn't get married. What? I guess while she was on the show. Again, I guess so she could be this this sort of attainable sex symbol. Again, <laughs> is that is that classic idea? You know, it's true though. You know when like there's a a celebrity you have a crush on and you, and they get married and you're like ah oh, damn it like as if you as if you ever had a like, chance yeah like yeah. you had a chance yeah it's like all these men watching the champions be like what she got married now I'll never get Alexandra Pastido you were never gonna get Alexandra Pastido let her marry the wilderness man anyway it was the 1960s um, she later though married the director writer and actor Patrick Garland and they were married from 1980 until his death in 2013 and Bastido herself sadly died from cancer aged uh, 67 in 2014 just a year later but she led an interesting uh, fascinating life in fact so she was a animal welfare advocate founding her own animal sanctuary and lived with horses donkeys pigs and goats uh, she could speak five languages uh, so very very smart indeed she could speak obviously English Italian Spanish French and German uh, and even assisted 10 Downing Street as a translator um, she appeared as I mentioned earlier in the 1967 Bond spoof Casino Royale she was on the cover of the Smiths live album Rank <laughs> Um, and in later years, she appeared in Batman Begins, her final film role as Gotham Society Dame. Uh, and her final screen appearance was on EastEnders in 2008, playing a rich lady whose vintage car breaks down in Walford and who flirts with Gary and Minty. Um, so, 
What a career. What a life. Wow. I'm Alexandra Bastida. And if you watch out on this channel, you'll be able to make a date with me each week as Sharon McCready in The Champions. It's a new series full of adventure, excitement and surprise. So watch out and keep that date, won't you? See you soon. Also up for the role of Sharon, interestingly, was Annette Andre, who played Jeannie Hopkirk in another ITC series, Randall mm. and Hopkirk Deceased. Uh, so Richard Barrett was played by William Gaunt. William Gaunt, I play Richard Barrett. Um, now, when I watched The Champions, Richard was always always my favourite. Yes, Stuart Damon was the, the hunk, the heartthrob. Um, but whereas he had these matinee idol looks, William Gaunt, I would say, and by no means, you know, <laughs> Not not an unattractive man, but he has an interesting face. Um, yeah. Well, it's more likely that we play him if we. <laughs> no, this is it. This is it. He's also he's also British, so I'm always like, I could I could be Richard Barrett. I'll never be Craig Sterling, but if they did a remake of the Champions now, and I was an actor, like I could be I could be Richard. <laughs> I would never be I would never be Craig. Um, so Gaunt was also known for appearing in the BBC sitcom No Place Like Home uh, from 1983 to 1987. Uh, playing the father to Martin Clunes in his first regular TV role. Um, Gaunt also appeared in another BBC sitcom, Next of Kin, from 1995 to 1997, appearing opposite Penelope Keith in her last regular sitcom role. Uh, That show was cancelled after three series, with The Mirror running the headline, Penelope Fury as show axed. Now... I looked into this and she actually just said, I'm very disappointed, yeah, especially for the fans. People like the show. I'm, I'm sad it's over. But I really like the idea of Keith kicking off. She's like, I'm, I'm fucking furious. Cancel my show. You're joking. I'm Penelope Keith. You don't do this to me. And William Gaunt's in it. What are you thinking? What a pairing that is. And William Gaunt's in it. And William Gaunt. You're joking. Oh, I'm Keith. I'm furious. Oh. Keith kicks off. That's what I would have gone for. Um... Uh, William Gaunt is also known to Doctor Who fans talking a lot about Doctor Who Mm. Um, uh, he played the assassin Orsini in the uh, 1985 story Revelation of the Daleks Uh, and he also appeared on EastEnders in 2015 when Doc Cotton was on trial for the murder of her son Nick Cotton he was the judge um, and and appeared in several episodes and that was when me and you lived together Tom and had gotten into sort of a habit of watching EastEnders and I was really excited at the time I I sort of remember that yeah yeah, I was like yes my boy William Gaunt the judge and you're like who's William Gaunt now you know (laughs) like like uh, six years later Uh, now uh. now you know now you appreciate why why I love (laughs) William Gaunt Um, although also up for the role of Richard Barrett Ian McShane uh, in his in his pre-Lovejoy days. Um, so the champion's boss, uh, W.L. Tremaine, was played by Anthony Nichols, though apparently uh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. was first considered for the role. Though a veteran actor by the 1960s who who had already appeared in many uh, TV, film and stage roles, including the 1966 Oscar-winning film A Man for All Seasons and guest spots on The Saint and the Avengers, the champions remains Nichols' best-known work. His daughter Phoebe Nichols is an actress who played Cordelia Flight in uh, the 1980s TV adaptation of Brideshead Revisited and the mother of John Merrick in 1980 film The Elephant Man, uh, while Nicholas' grandson and Phoebe's son is the actor Tom Sturridge, uh, who will shortly be starring as Dream in Netflix's Sandman TV series, uh, which I did not know before researching this episode. Every day is a school day. Um, and we've talked about this before, The yeah, famously the cast of Cheers. Um, you, you, know, you already know what I'm going to say. Um, with each passing year, we become older. Um, and, yeah. every, and to you know, paraphrase Matthew McConaughey, everyone, you know, they stay the same age. Um, so as a nerdy kid... Watching the champions, they were these suave, gorgeous, super spies, slick 1960s heroes. Found out researching this episode that Alexander Pastido was 22 uh, at the wow. time. Uh, William Gaunt and Stuart Damon at least had the decency to be 31, but. Still. St- <laughs> Stuart Damon. I'm st- uh, still a full four years older than. William Gaunt looks like he's 50. In, in, a, ni- in a nice way. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't, look, but- doesn't look old, just looks like established. Like a proper um, man with a like suit and everything. Yeah, he's like, wearing a suit. What, yeah. That's what you had in the sixties. You like even the Beatles, they'd walk around just wearing suits all the time. Like, it just doesn't mm. happen now. You, you, if you're wearing a suit, I'll wear a suit at best pre-COVID once a year, maybe. Yeah. Like if I'm lucky. Yeah. Whereas back then, I, I, yeah. 
I mean, right now, it's so hot in London, as, as I record this. I'm, I'm not even wearing clothes, let alone a suit. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting experience recording it's, this. It's been nice of you not to, yeah, not to comment on it until now. Thanks for <laughs> keeping that to yourself. Um, thought I'd address the elephant in the room. Um, <laughs> not just talking myself up there. Um, so, Speak for yourself. So, uh, guest stars. Uh, the champions had some notable guest stars, sort of the creme de la creme of, uh, of, of 1960s TV and film actors. So in episode one, the beginning, you had Burt Kwok. Uh, in episode two, The Invisible Man, you had David Prowse, uh, nice. Darth Vader. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. <laughs> Take her away. Really good. Tear this ship apart until you found those passengers. I want them alive! Um, if you've never... Oh, that if is you've never si- That is uh, very good. <sighs> If you've never seen the uh, undubbed Darth Vader clips from the original Star Wars featuring Dave Prowse's original uh, voice work, then it is a, is a must-watch. Uh, Doctor Who's Nicholas Courtney, who played the Brigadier. Again, Doctor Who. In uh, <laughs> Even I'm getting sick of it. In uh, He appeared in episode four of The Champions, The Experiment. Uh, Donald Sutherland appeared in episode oh, wow. 16, Shadow of the Panther. Uh, Bernard Lee. M from the uh, James Bond films, the original M. He appeared in episode 21, The Body Snatchers. And episode 25, Desert Journey, a one-two punch. You had uh, Jeremy Brett, Sherlock Holmes, nice. and Roger Delgado, uh, who played the master in Doctor Who. Of course. Uh, so though it looked... I've, I've got here expansive. I meant expensive, but I guess I guess expansive also <laughs> works. Um Owing to budget constraints, the champions would often use stock footage. So, allegedly, the producer of the show used his own home video footage from his holiday for the Geneva fountain scene in the opening titles. Um, And also possibly explains that trailer from earlier. Uh, And uh, sets were often reused, with three episodes being set in the Arctic and three episodes being set on different but suspiciously similar-looking submarines. Um... (laughs) Despite its international feel and settings, as with other ITC productions, much of the exterior action took place in and around the studio lot, in the case of the champions, around Elstree Studios in Boromwood, England. Uh, The exterior of Nemesis's Geneva HQ is actually in Barnet in London, Um, though for at least one episode, uh, Desert Journey, uh, foreign filming did take place, but with a second unit and with extras standing in for the main cast, just sort of shot shot very far away um, while uh, while the main cast didn't get to leave Borumwood. Um so there was also in addition to the 30 episodes produced a Champions movie sort of um, so a, a common practice back in the day was to edit and cut together episodes of TV series for home video and to sell to overseas markets now usually these involved two or more episodes of a show sort of um, awkwardly stuck together but the Champions featured an episode, The Interrogation, uh, which saw Craig being interrogated about the Champions' activities and featured flashbacks to the show's first episode, uh, The Beginning. So in 1983, ITC produced a feature-length film called Legend of the Champions by expanding the flashback sequences, incorporating more footage from The Beginning. Uh, more recently, though, there was talk of a big-screen blockbuster Champions remake. Uh, it was reported that Guillermo del Toro would produce and write a film adaptation of The Champions for United Artists uh, in 2007. And then the following year, in 2008, Christopher McQuarrie, uh, now best known as writer and director of the most recent uh, Mission Impossible films, he mm-hmm. signed up to co-write and co-produce the film. So, good good pedigree. Um, and Tom Cruise, he had at the time uh, come along with his producing partner, uh, Paula Wagner, and had just resurrected United Artists, which had previously uh, folded. So Cruz would have produced The Champions um, if, if it had happened. And IMDb claims, so this is IMDb-able, um, but IMDb claims he would have also starred in the film, um, which, you know, would have been a good fit, I think, for, mm, for, yeah. for Stuart Damon's role, Craig Sterling. Um, he wouldn't do the other one, would he? <laughs> he wouldn't. No, he would not. He, he wouldn't play, play second fiddle. Sac- he wouldn't play second yeah. fiddle. Um, so at the time, uh, United Artists president of production, Don Granger, said, The Champions is not just a strong concept with serious franchise potential. So we're thinking it was like, you know, sequels as well. Uh, right. We believe that with Chris and Guillermo's combined creative vision, it can be an incredibly original film. I mean, not that original because it's based on a TV show. But... Um, 
And uh, Christopher McQuarrie added, The Champions is a great premise with fascinating potential. I wanted to be involved from the moment Guillermo and I first discussed it. But the film sadly never materialised. So, and well, why? Why is a good question. Why? Um, so I, I did what could loosely, very loosely be called uh, some journalism. Journalism? Um, at- <laughs> On this show? <laughs> well... Bear with. Um, so, so, so I did. I did reach out and contact uh, Chris McQuarrie on Twitter. Uh, okay. He, he, I, you know, I follow him on Twitter. He's usually pretty good at answering fan queries and that sort of thing. Um, so I contacted him and asked him whatever happened to the Champions movie that you're working with Guillermo del Toro, and he couldn't remember. So, so he did respond. Very nice of him to to entertain us, um, but but he couldn't remember. He said it's been a while, so I can't answer it with confidence. But um, that is that is at the very least, you know, that's a two geeks exclusive. The first official comment on the Champions movie um, for for several years. Nice, uh, yeah. Um, the, the exclusive is he can't remember, but but still. Um, <laughs> so the mystery uh, remains unsolved um, of what happened to the Champions movie, but most likely the film simply ended up in development hell. And was scrapped. Although it is far from the only Guillermo del Toro project to go unrealized or unfinished. Now, it's Hollywood, right? And things are commissioned, then scrapped. It happens. But I will say, Wikipedia does devote an entire page of its own to unproduced Guillermo del Toro projects, uh, including a CGI Wind in the Willows at Disney, uh, a Halo movie, an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, new versions of Peter Pan, Beauty and the Beast and Frankenstein, and a Hulk TV series that would have been set in the MCU and followed the Incredible Hulk movie. Um, The page lists 31 projects in all, and the Champions isn't even on there. It's not even on there. But I does, feel like does Guillermo just just fuck about? Does he just like just go? Yeah, I'll do that, and then he just runs away. He's just... I, I feel like that's almost an episode in itself. Guillermo del Toro's <laughs> lost projects. Fascinating. Would have loved to have seen that Hulk series. Um, but you would think now that the champions would be ripe for revisiting. As we said, it's got a bit of Bond, spies, Mission Impossible. So you know, Macquarie would have been a great choice to to write and produce. It's got the Marvel feel, comic books, superpowers, yeah. all the stuff that's big right now. Um, spies with superpowers. Why is it not being revived? I'd, yeah. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it happen. And they've tried other. They've tried to do other stuff, haven't they? Which haven't quite worked, like Man from Uncle and um, A Team. They tried to <laughs> try to redo that. You know, they've, they've brought back old TV series before with varied success. So why not give it a go? Maybe those, maybe those examples are the reason why they didn't do it. I was going to say you're like <laughs> yeah. they brought stuff back before and it hasn't worked. So why not do it again? Uh, brilliant um, <laughs> the great sort of insight you get on <laughs> top notch uh, exclusives and incredible insight what do you expect it's really hot we've had a few beers <laughs> so, uh, hot. Uh, so hot well that's the champions uh, the complete series is available now on DVD uh, and also available to buy and stream uh, individual episodes on Amazon. Uh, if you have the Talking Pictures TV channel, which specialises in classic film and TV, The Champions is also repeated there, as well as on ITV4. Um, but if you're a fan or just intrigued after listening to this episode, I really recommend picking up the DVD set from Network, which includes the documentary We Were The Champions and sees the original trio reunited. Nice. Don't believe it. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> God. Hi. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. Hi. How are you doing? All right, thank you. Oh, God, it's good to see oh, you. Lovely. I'll hug you see if you, you don't mind. <laughs> I know. It's, is that very English? It's very yeah. English. Oh, you're looking oh, great. Yeah. You're looking I've great. seen you on General Hospital when I've been in Toronto and New York. Get away. So I've actually seen you on it. Yeah, I've lasted a long time. Yeah. Who would have known? Uh-huh. Oh. We all lasted a long time. <laughs> no, the fact that we're still here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah looking down at the grass. Here. Exactly. It's exactly. wonderful to see you. you. God almighty. I was. I got nervous this morning. Mm. I got excited. I, I got nervous and excited. And I was just mm. thinking about. I think because we spent so much time together, and I it was know. such a special, a special part of my life. Yeah, it was, you know, and mm. it was just. And then all the stuff started to flood back. And he's still taller than me. Yeah. I thought. I thought hey, you might have. Uh, yeah. Just I'm tall. I'm taller than Gene <laughs> Barry as well. <laughs> but you don't know that joke. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah, I'm still taller than you, even though I'm shrunk. Oh, that was genuinely really nice. Yeah. 
William Gaunt, though, still, still a little bit bitter. Hope, hope that Stuart Damon has shrunk. You handsome bastard, why haven't you shrunk? Still taller than me. But no, re- really moving. And I, like, I believe before that they hadn't seen each other, certainly, certainly for many, many years, if not since yeah. they filmed the series together many decades before. So a really nice little touching moment there. Uh, all the more so now that Alexandra Bastido is, is sadly no longer with us. Mm. Um, so that is it. Uh, for more semi-drunken drivel, head to twogeeks2beers.com where you can hear 90-plus episodes of this sort of nonsense. Uh, we're also on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, as it is now Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Global Player, and all other good podcast outlets. If you want to champion uh, Two Geeks, <laughs> please give us a rating and a review. Uh, we're also on Patreon, where you can sponsor the podcast, helping to fund our recording sessions, uh, pay for our equipment. All your money goes directly back into making the show, and you'll get special bonus material, exclusive Patreon-only episodes, uh, outtakes, and depending on how much you donate, even a mini-episode or a full-length episode that is exclusive to you on any subject of your choosing. And uh, please do follow us on all the social channels, at 2 Geekscast. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, we'll get some um, little updates from um, the show and just uh, upcoming shows we're recording, and you can get in touch, maybe get a shout out on the next show as well. And uh, you can also get in touch uh, on our email, which is podcast at two geeks two beers dot com. And you can also find us on YouTube. Put two geeks two beers into the search bar, and you'll find a complete archive of episodes, old and new, in full, plus clips and samplers. So, until next time, that's it. Thanks for joining us. We've been Two Geeks, and they, Tom, were the champions, my friend. It occurred to me then, doing that little sign-off, that I, um, don't, I don't actually know the words to, to, to We Are The Champions by Queen. I think we talked about it. Oh. In a similar fashion to how we talked about in our Flash Gordon episode, not knowing the words to Flash, because you go, you go, oh yeah, because Flash. Yeah, and similar, similarly, you've got I paid my dues time yeah. after time, and my, my sentence committed no crime, but mad mistakes <laughs> I've made a few. But then, oh yeah, yeah I got yeah, my right. my play, and I got you. No. What does he say? <laughs> yeah, it goes, but why is it up to that point? Yeah. I've made a few. I got my business, my pleasure, my pay, and I got through. Hang on. What? He goes, he goes, I've had my share of sand kicked in my face, but I've come through. I have never known that was the lyrics. Wow. I'm See, almost. You say you don't, you don't learn anything on this show. You just did there. I prefer, I prefer my version, if I'm honest. <laughs> I got my, I got my business, my place, my mouse, and I got you. <laughs> and then into the chorus. <laughs> <laughs>